Welcome back to chapter 35. So, Ray has finished doing some healing in the hush as you're standing in that window, looking out over the north lawn of Briarstone Asylum. It does become easier to make out the sounds of this chanting. It's definitely Zandalus's voice rasping out in the Kellish tongue, which is one of the main languages of the Kazmaran continent to the east and many regions in eastern Garund to the south, which both Dora and Gull learn they are fluent in. We managed to get in, in the and last chapter here, every single person's language that they knew before <laughs> they woke up. Many. Yes. And interestingly, Grip, as you hear this chanting, you hear it like a language you are extremely familiar with. The cadence and the sounds are familiar, but you don't quite understand the language. Like, you know, mm. that feeling of like, maybe you lived among people who spoke that a lot and never quite picked it up, but uh, it is a familiar language to you. Okay. And at first it seems like Zandalus is just muttering a bunch of gibberish. There's like smatterings of phrases popping out like, lay aside all disguise and unmask, unmask. It's time. It's time. And after a few moments of listening to this, it sounds like he's repeating some sort of prayer over and over again, but it, but it doesn't. It's so pained and forced. It sounds like, kind of like Johnny was guessing earlier, it sounds like something he is straining to continue saying, no matter who or what tries to stop him. And this sense of his voice being responded to and attacked by the underwater voice of the Tatterman is growing. Like, like Xandalus is repeating this desperately to keep himself in some state. Is there any check to be made in terms of recognizing what this is? No. Religion. Okay. Yeah. 16. 26. Johnny, also give me a knowledge local check. 27. From these first moments of exposure to the words he's using... It's striking Ray like it might be a prayer to Haster. And it's striking King Gull. In yellow? Yes. And it's striking Gull like for some reason it is that a is that little bit that I just heard a line from a play? Like you've you've read or read about or somehow brushed up against some famous play that has some of the lines that he's saying right well, they, now. They did have that thing where they like to have very sort of out there... High cultural events. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's saying something Haster-related very desperately, very quickly, in a very strained way. We gotta go. He, he doesn't sound like he's gonna last long. Last-minute buffs and heading down the hallway? Yep. Bless. Protection from evil communal. Run through sh- protection from evil communal for everybody. Resistance on goal. On goal. Great. Uh, every subject has a plus two deflection bonus to AC and plus two resistance bonus on saves. There's also... Against a- attacks made by evil creatures. Att- against attacks and effects made by evil creatures. That's any any save? Or just as long the, as it's just- coming from... Yeah. Okay. And it is a resistance bonus, so it won't stack with 
your cloak of resistance. So it's we have plus, a plus, plus two one instead net. of plus one. So exactly. plus two. Okay, gotcha. There's also... Now the rest of it, I think, will we'll bring up if it applies. You're going to get protection from mental domination. You would get protection from summoned evil creatures. If those situations come up, we'll stop and revisit. Okay. okay. But the plus one versus fear would stack with the plus two resistance versus saves from evil creatures. That's a different kind of bonus. Correct. So, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I am going to take my last extract, which is long arm. Ooh, nice. Um, that gives you reach, right? Yep. Fantastic. How long does that last? Uh, it'll last for uh, three minutes. Okay. What's the marching order now? Going down the hallway. I, I say we just stay in the marching order. Same marching in. order? Great. Go grip Ray Dora. So you're making your way to the west down this hallway towards where the sound of the chanting is coming. And this is clearly... A hallway directly above the kitchens down below. So this is that piece of the second floor that you saw that still looked whole. Although the lake side, the north side wall here does not look so very, very much whole. So you're you're passing through big gaping open spaces where stone has crumbled. There's like shattered pieces of old bedrooms and stuff in there. And then looking down, at the end of this hallway, there is a room. Looks like it comprises or comprised maybe at one time multiple uh, sleeping chambers sleeping cells it all looks as though it could collapse at any second there are pieces of walls still remaining kind of separating this space into looks like maybe a six or seven ten by ten sleeping rooms the walls, every single wall you can see, and as you hit the halfway point of this hallway, from that point on all the way through into the entirety of the next room, are covered in part yellow parchment paper, covered in charcoal images and images in red paint, images of the nightmare city you first saw when we began the campaign, images in red of these steely, and the flickering of dozens of candles illuminates the artwork's maker. As you see, Oliver Zandalus sitting on a pile of three mattresses. Gaunt. He's got a ponytail of long and exceptionally straight white hair. He's sitting cross-legged upon this pallet of piled mattresses. He's wearing multiple patience gowns that have been shredded and stitched together very artistically to create a layered robe. His arms and much of his chest are exposed, revealing these lines of charcoal and yellow chalk that streak his flesh, the most prominent of which is this yellow flame upon his forehead. Resting in his lap is a uh, really fine-looking Mace. As you reach that halfway point down the hall, his watery blue eyes go from kind of a spaced out in a trance kind of state to wide awake and looking at you. And he stops repeating this series of lines over and over again, and he's staring at you. He's nodding his head. Nodding. I can do it. I can do it. I can stay awake. I can stay awake forever. They taught me how. They taught me how. I can save you all. I can save all of you. I can do it. I can do it. I can stay awake. I can stay awake. He's just furiously nodding his head. Through the message, Dora says, It would be a mercy. Continue forward. 
continue forward. So, as you reach the edge of the room there, Gull, you're in the lead. Uh, he looks you, now he looks you specifically in the eyes. This is not at the group, this is at you, yeah. Gull. He's, he's going to do it! The man, the man with the glasses, he's going to do it! He's going to find it! F- find what? I speak in Kellish. Oh, you, you, he wanted you all to suffer. So much he found the notion amusing. You, the four of you, you you grew too difficult, he told me. Too difficult to manage, even for, for Dr. Vaticus and his drugs. When, when, when did you talk to the man with the glasses? He's been here for as long as I remember. Count Lowe's. <sighs> yes, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. We can help you. Toss at the mace. He won't let me! As you notice now, it seems like every single muscle in his body is tensed. A pose that looked like meditation further down the hall now looks like rigid, held potential energy. It's been about a minute. There goes our protection from evil. Dora casts Detect Thoughts. So that when he says he's going to find it. What's the DC of that will save? It is uh, 15. Okay. As you start to make contact with that mind, you you feel an absolute wall go up. And you watch his eyes go from watery blue to black. Just black pits instantaneously. And his mouth opens up. He kind of jerks a little bit like, again, like he's this like puppet being operated by someone that doesn't know how to do it. You are all supposed to be dead! All of you! Full initiative. Surprise! Now oh, that's more like it, Grip. Oh, yeah. That's more like my oh, initiative, yeah. Roland. Dora. 18. Ray. 8. Grip. 3. And Gulliver. Natural 20 for 23. Alrighty, Gulliver, you're up first. Round one. Right at the moment, 5, 10, 15, 20. You're 25 feet away from him. I will take you five. Oh no, I don't even have to. I've got long arm. Mm -hmm. I lift up my long arm, which gives me reach, and I can hit the, the touch AC. Oh, man. And I rolled a natural fucking one. Misfire. So that's a misfire, and then as a... Uh, well, now you're a gunslinger. you got more I'm grit. A gunslinger. That's right. So let's see. So I've got a lot of grit now, and one of my deeds is quick clear. Yes, I will spend one of my four points of grit today to... Sweet. Do that. So I have cleared my gun. Dora, you're up. I'm going to start with Raven Feeblement. Oh, okay. Awesome. Give me a ranged attack. Uh, we have bless, yeah? No. No. 20. That's a hit. Wow. Um, fortitude for half, DC 15. DC Success. So uh, four plus two is six, so he takes three points of strength damage. This is a three-point penalty to his strength score. Yes, yes, exactly. Nice. 
So this black ray streaks out through the air, strikes into Oliver Zandalos, who now has these black, menacing eyes, and you can see his muscles sort of atrophy as his already withered frame grows even weaker. It's a five-foot step and a standard action. You've got to move action left if you want to do something. Grip, can you charge him and take him down? I, I can try. That's my combat advice. <laughs> nice. That's for a two or a one? Two. Zandalus is up next. He stands up. He's holding this mace in his hand now. His eyes are just these black pits. He stares right at you, Dora, and you begin to feel the inside of your head rupture in flame. Give me a will save. <gasps> it's an immediate action. Mm-hmm. Dora casts Bursts of Insight <laughs> to add eight points to her will, nice. to her wisdom, to her wisdom, and four to her will save. Great, giving her a plus ten. Eighteen. You take half damage from this mind thrust, which is seven points. Ray, I've just taken seven points of damage. Thank you. And then as the cascade of painful memories, just as it's fading out of your mind there, Dora, he gives you this horrible, crooked little grin, and as a swift action, (laughs) you relive every instant of that pain and take six points of non-lethal damage. Ray, you're up. I'm dazed for a round. You're dazed for a round. Ray, you're up. You were aware that Dora has taken more than five points of damage. Yes. Give yourself five hit points back. Thank you. What happens to non-lethal in that case? Can you read the lifelink? Each round at the start of your turn, if the bonded creature is wounded for five or more hit points below its max, it heals five hit points. You take five hit points. Heals five points. So it also heals five points of non-lethal. That's sweet. (laughs) That is a good ability. And that's not even an action. What do you want to do? Great. Then I need to try and touch everyone so I can cast uh, protection from evil again. So uh, move into that square. And... Can I Can I do that? Yes, you just can't take a five-foot step in there, but that's fine. So yeah, you move into that rubbly square there. Zoom. Everyone has got protection from evil again. As that feeling of protection settles in, Grip, you are up. I will move 25 feet and close with Zandalus, and yes. I will attack with Red Destiny. Excellent. Um, hmm, we don't know what his AC is like. We do not. I'm going to try a power attack. All right. A 26. Do you want to use a shame point? No. That's a hit. Okay. That is going to be 1d6 plus 9. Uh, for 13 points of damage. Oh, wow. He definitely feels that as you stab right through his robe into his gut. He kind of twists himself mannequin-like off of it, but he's now got a big gaping wound right there in his gut. And that's the end of round one. All right, we start the top of round two here. Gull is still outside this room. What do you want to do, Gull? He's going to reload and... uh... Take a shot with his alchemical torch. He's going to take a five-foot step forward, too. 
Oh, man. I am rolling nothing. Uh, but maybe it'll still hit. That's a 12 touch attack. Minus four. I will spend a an action point. <laughs> I cannot do anything. Uh, get that four back. So that is a 12. Firing just over Grip's shoulder, you land a shot. <gasps> Yay! For two points of damage. You land a graze on his left shoulder. It all comes back to the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Dora, you're up. Dora's dazed. Dora she suffers cannot, no penalty to her AC, but cannot act Cannot normally. take an action. Is that just a round? Yeah. Zandalus is up, and you're watching now this fight going on around his mouth, as though his mouth is trying to open to say stuff to you, but other muscles on his mouth are clamping shut to keep that mouth closed. His whole body is convulsing, and it just is very upsetting and bizarre to watch. Like, you're watching two people fight over control of this meat sack. Let's see. He is five feet away from grip. All right, he sidles uh, five footsteps sideways on this mattress stack, and he stares you in the eyes, Grip, and he's going to attempt to cast a spell on the defensive here. Okay, Dora would notice the telltale signs of someone perhaps using a move action to solidify their thought components, but you feel an eruption of pain inside your mind, Grip, as all of your memories are extracted and thrust back into you. Give me a will save. Uh, is this an evil creature? This is an evil creature. Mm. Thank you. Uh, 22. You take five points of damage, and then he does the same little cocky grin to you, and it's a swift action. Makes you relive it for six points of non-lethal damage. Remind me, so if... Non-lethal and regular meat, then I then I'm you fall unconscious. unconscious. Okay. Ray, you're up. You're about 30 feet, 30 feet away from him at this point. Yeah, I still only have 20 feet of movement, so I yes. can't really attack him. But what I can do is I'm going to move into the room yep. and use the uh, Wand of Bless. Move action to get it out. Can I draw the wand while I move? No? No. All right. But you could do it from there, I think. Get everybody. Yes. Oh, yeah. Everybody's within 30 feet of you. Yes. So draw the wand out and cast Bless. Yep. Grip, you're up. He's still within reach, though he's edging a little further away back into a corner there. Um, we're going to flurry of blows him. Alrighty. Yeah, we are. Power attack? Uh, I think so. Yes. Okay. So, okay. <gasps> are you going to do that, that pugnacious thing? We'll see. How How's it worded? Um, do one as an immediate action increase melee reach by five feet for one round or treat weapon as one size category larger for damage rolls for one round okay then yes I will I will try to do that okay with a power attack with your fists yes so that's plus five plus five that's a natural two for a seven that's not gonna do it uh, that's a uh, 15. I'm gonna shame point that. Throw some shame at that roll. 15, 21. That's a hit. 
dodges out of the way of the first punch, but you catch him. So that will that be... Cocky little face. Uh, I did the thing, so that's 2d6. That's 13. 13 points of damage. Huge blow. Ooh. Still on his feet. And that's the end of round two. Round three starts with Gull. Gull, he's now directly in a line right in front of you, but you can tell from the way he's heading, he's looking like you might be trying to duck back into some of those rooms around a corner here where you might not have the line of sight on him any longer. But for the moment, he's still in the open. Uh, I am going to go ahead and uh, I've, got, I've got a load. Yeah. It's just a move action, or I can move. Um, I'm going to go ahead and load as a move action. Yep. And then I'm going to move up to him and to the side to block off that angle of escape. And I know that I'll provoke, but I'll try to tumble my way through if I can. Gotcha. So you're edging forward, slipping past Grip's right shoulder around this corner here to cut off this direction that Zandalus is heading. He's going to take a swipe at you with his mace with a minus three to his strength. And I will fail my attempt to tumble past him. And he gets... Uh, 17. Miss. All right. Dora, you're up. No longer dazed. Yeah. Can I see him? Yes, you can. And he's 35 feet away? He is. First thing she does. Yeah. As part of her combat advice. Be ready, Grip. When he dies... The Tataman will come forth. Kill him anyway. Then she manifests Tima mm-hmm. and casts Mind Thrust 2 on Elder's Angels. Yes, she does. Fourteen on the will save. It's a fail. All right. Nice. Oh my god. Twenty-eight. Wow. Oh Eight, man! Seven, seven, six. Holy crap! I mean, sometimes you cast a second level spell and you're like, man, it wasn't worth the second level spell shot. And then sometimes you're like, that was worth all of them. Yes. Take all of them. Over Zandalus, uh, his his head erupts, and as his body starts falling beneath the space where his head had once been, you see yellow mist filling in behind him. You're watching in like slow-mo here as the body sinks down, yellow mist follows up behind it. The yellow mist turns black. And now you're seeing like crackles of lightning inside this blackish, yellowish, humanoid-shaped cloud of mist. And then there is an eruption of Tatterman howling. At Even she couldn't manage it. She found ways. She found ways to bring me here in the flesh for a moment, for a little time, but only for a time. But you've done what Ariadne could never do. You have freed me. I mean, you have to free him to kill him. Yeah. You mean killing the old man wasn't the end of the adventure? <laughs> And as he materializes into the recognizable form of the Tatterman, this gray-fleshed being wrapped in yellow bandages with no eyes, this lamprey mouth filled with teeth, clutching this gleaming war razor, you realize you're looking at 
a living nightmare standing in the material world and everything about his presence in front of you is horrifying. It's almost impossible to even look at him. He does not belong here. The edges of him seem to ripple and fade like like nothing real can or should do. He seems simultaneously six feet tall and the, and the size of a mountain. He seems simultaneously perfectly solid and nothing but vapor. He seems to be here, but then when you blink, he's also way over there. And as he speaks, sometimes his voice is in sync with his lips, but sometimes it trails or even anticipates the movement of his mouth. He's speaking both forwards and backwards. I need a whole bunch of saves from everybody. I need a save versus fear. And all of you that are not grip. So Grip got a really good view of him in the first minute of this campaign and had to make a check against his sanity. The rest of you were all sort of fighting a shape in the mist. I'm going to check sanity for the rest of the party's first sight of the Tatterman. But this is um, with the plus two from Protection from Evil? Yes. Let's start with Robert. He'll need to make one save here. Give me a save versus fear. Seven. Uh, familiar state for you there, Grip. You are shaken. Gulliver, your next closest. Give me a save versus fear. Uh, the fear I rolled a natural one on. All right, you're shaken as well. And give me a check against your sanity. So 15, and I'm going to spend a... Uh, I'm going to spend one of my two points of inspiration for the day to add another two to that. You take only a single point of sanity damage, which is underneath your sanity threshold, so you do not obtain a madness. Next would be Ray. Give me that save versus fear. For the save versus fear, I got a 22. You're not shaken. And then for the second save, 17. Same thing as Gulliver. You take one point of sanity damage, but this is not over your threshold, so you hold firm in the face of this madness. Dora. To attempt to return, because she wants to be able to make a knowledge check on this fucking thing next time. Sure, give me a roll. So I'm going to try. Twenty-five. So she returns to normal. Save versus fear. Because you're no longer Tima. Twenty-eight. Not shaken. And now sanity. <laughs> it's a seventeen, but I'm going to use an action point. Okay. Twenty-three. I, I can't take one point of sanity damage. As long as you don't take to your threshold, your ma- your madness does not become undormant. So now everybody at this table is sitting on one point of sanity damage, which, you know, in Grip's case is always enough to worsen things for him. But, Dora, you are still not needing a fox. You're okay at the moment. Still dormant. And Dora... It is Dora now, and you are seeing this thing in the flesh, and you're seeing the effect it has on the air around it. You're seeing the effect. You're seeing the way it's reacting with reality. You may give me a planes check if you wish to try to identify what the F this is. Twenty-nine. Just tell me if it's immune to silver. I just have to know. The Tatterman has a lot of stuff going on. It is a unique doppelganger, got some class levels, but the thing that you notice from the way it's interacting with reality is that it is a nightmare creature. Mm -hmm. And you know a couple things about that. You know that they can only effectively be harmed by either good weapons or silvered weapons. Thank God. That, in fact, it has DR5 
overcome by either good or silvered weapons, and it has regeneration five, which can be shut off by good spells and weapons or silvered weapons. This is a regenerating creature with damage reduction. And you would know that... Is it immune to mind-affecting effects? Not as far as you know, but you do know that it is entirely immune to all effects of the illusion school. It cannot be deceived by any illusion, which probably makes sense as a creature from the dimension of dreams. So I'm not going to kill this thing with a ghost sound? That would be so weird. Dora will relay all that through the message. And then as your turn ends, the tatter man is up. Oh boy. He's five feet away from Grip. He has felt the pleasure of slicing through Grip's flesh with his war razor. He's gonna take, and it's, he's gonna swing out with his war razor at you. 28. Yep. For eight points of damage, and then he rakes out with a claw as well. 19? That's a miss, right? That's a miss. Okay, all right, so the second attack misses, and he gives you a little cock of his head as if clocking. Oh, he has indeed gotten stronger since the last time I slaughtered him. Ray, you're up. Oh, sorry. I knew I was going to forget this. As he attacks Grip, and you all see the fury of that war razor slicing through the air, you have this flashback reliving moment from that first moment in the campaign when you first saw that blade. I need everybody to make another save versus fear here. Man. Grip. 19. Want to use any shame? Just burn them. Burn them all. 22. You hold firm. Go. I rolled a natural fucking two. Oh, shit. Well, you have lots of points you can add to rolls. What's, what, what's your, what are you sitting at right now? Because uh, you get to add plus two from the I'm already protection. shaken. So that knocks away the, the, the oh. resistance there. All right. Uh, so that's a two uh, plus one versus fear. So that's a three. And then I've got a plus five. So that starts with an eight. Okay. And all I can spend is uh, a shame point because I spent my other two... I've only got a single point of inspiration left, so that's all I have. So, that's what I got. Okay. And I got a three, so I got a whopping 11. That's what I got. Gull is panicked. Read that out. That's the worst of the bunch. Panicked, you must drop anything you're holding and flee at top speed from the source of your fear. You can't take any other actions. In addition, you take a minus two penalty on all attack rolls saving throws, skill checks, and ability checks. If cornered, you cower and do not attack, typically using the total defense action. The fascinating thing is here, because of that last move you took, the only path away from him is now 10 feet into the corner there, rather than, say, uh, 100-some feet down yep. the hallway. Yeah, when it's my turn, that's what I'm going to be doing. Let's get that save from Ray. Oh, that's a 14 total. I'm going to do a shame point All right. It's a plus five, so that's 19. You're okay. And what about Dora? I got a 20. 
All right, you're fine as well. So, Gull is in a panic. I think he's going, hide yourself, hide yourself, hide yourself, hide yourself. <laughs> and we are on Ray's turn. So at the top of this turn, is there any life link uh, healing you want to do? Yes, uh, Grip, you get five hit points back. Nice, and knock off five. You took some non-lethal, right? Knock off five of that as well. Drop the uh, Morning Star, pull out the Silver Dagger. Yeah. And um, you're still down hit points, right? I'm down one hit point. Down one, and you're still down a couple, right? I'm, I'm down um, eight. So uh, just a cure light wounds for all of us, except... Oh, you mean a uh, channel? I'm sorry, a channel. Great. So eight points. Thank you. Nice, nice, nice. So that'll also knock off that remaining point of non-lethal damage there, Robert. Fantastic. And me as well. Great. All right, Grip, you are up. I will take a five-foot step just straight that way, and I will apply my oil of a line weapon to Red Destiny. All right, so it takes a five-foot step away from the Tatterman. Move action to get out the oil of a line weapon and applying it to Red Destiny. Fantastic. That's your turn. So it is good. Red Destiny is now good aligned. We're at the top of round four. We're with the Frightened Gull. I think we know what he does, but why don't you tell us? He's got his uh, alchemical torch in his hand, uh, and he would drop it. Yep. And then he would withdraw directly back into the corner as far away as he can get from the from the Tatterman. Yeah. And he is About literally... About 10 feet into one of these little uh, small sleeping cells back there. And he is literally just, you know, like chanting to himself, hide yourself, hide yourself, hide yourself. Tatterman smiles. And I would... I would almost say, like, if there's a place in there that he could go where he can't be seen by the Tatterman, he would probably try to... I think if you come, if you take go five feet further to the south there, um, that is around the corner enough. I think you'd be out of view from him. So I think yeah. I would probably get there and try to... Like hide in the rubble? Like yeah. S- stealth. Yeah, great. Give me a check. All right. Uh, that's a whopping... Still a 16. Great. All right, you're still very stealthy in your fear. Dora, you're up. First thing Dora says. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to think of a good, <laughs> some good combat advice for Grip. But really, it is sticking with the pointy end. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> then Always good advice. Tima manifests again and says... You should have taken my deal. And cast Mind Thrust on the Tatterman. Yeah, Mind Thrust 2? Yes, yes, Mind Thrust 2. Until I don't have any more. <laughs> 29. Yeah, save. <laughs> okay, well, it still does uh, 13. It still does 6. All right, you're seeing sort of sickly-looking grayish blood with sparkles of rainbow come, like, gushing out of his nose and ears. I combated, I swifted, I cast. So I think... Does Dora want to come back, or you want to stay as Tima for the moment? Because it's a free action, right? Gonna stay. You stay, okay. Tatterman's up. At the top of his turn, he heals up five points of the damage he just took from Tima. He is 
So Gull is out of his... Gull is successfully cowed, as far as he's concerned. He can take a five-foot step and close with grip, and he'll take two attacks. First attack with the Gleaming War Razor. Yeah. Does he have partial cover? Oh, from the... Yeah, there is some chunk of wall there. I like that. I think he's going to have to use a move action to get to the other square so he can attack freely. So he's only going to get one attack in. (sighs) Have we checked... You're still shaken from slashing weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you remain shaken. All right, so single attack. And that was a 22. Just. Just. For seven points of damage. Ray, you're up. Would that count as a flanking position? That is a flanking position. Ray is in a place where if he moves up just to the edge of his 20-foot move, he can get directly opposite the Tatterman from our pal Grip. Silver dagger in hand. A natural two on the die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's plus He's... six is eight. All the flanks yeah. in the world ain't gonna help you there. Yeah. He's terrified. He is literally a living nightmare. And it is really hard to square down where he even is Mm -hmm. in space. Mm -hmm. The amount of focus it takes to just like fix his position in space as he's. Uh, Grip, you're up. The end of this round. Mm -hmm. Face goes slack. Eyes go back. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And uh, he will take uh, the Grudge Fighter. Yep. So he gets an extra plus one. And he will attack with the good aligned red destiny. So that's 15. And you're out of shame? No, I have two left. Oh. So, what the hell, right? Uh, What did I say, 15? 18. And that's a miss. He dodges out of the way. And that's it. Top around five. Gull is still uh, hiding in the corner. Uh, I think he probably, uh, if he hasn't already, has come now completely lost control of his bladder. There we go. Dora, you're up. Or Tima. Tima is up. I'm going to do it again. Yes, of course you are. <laughs> we didn't save them to not use them. This is what it's for. I don't like him. 24. It's safe. All right. Oh, he's bleeding, though. He regenerated. He regenerated. Oh, so that counts, right? Yeah. Somebody needs to hit him with something. Fifteen, so seven. Another disturbing cascade of now, like, cotton candy comes pouring out of his his ears and nose and mouth. His blood seems to be as transformative as he is in the dream space. Anything else that round? Some combat advice? What the bloody hell are you doing? Hit him with a fucking sword. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> that he was is, for grip, by yeah, the way. Yes. <laughs> uh, Tatterman heals five points of damage. Swings around to stare at Ray. Oh, baby boy. Warraiser hits armor class 23. That's a hit. Claw hits 21. That's a miss. Oh. With protection from evil. Ooh. Eight points of damage to you, Ray. Thank you. I feel it. And then you are up. 
Me? Yes. He seems to simultaneously be facing you and facing Grip. <laughs> he probably can't be flanked. <laughs> oh. That's a good point. Uh, yes, I'm going to try to attack again. Do it. Oh, that's better. 23. Any shame? Is that flanking? That's without the flanking bonus. So that would okay. be 25. 25 with flanking. Mm-hmm. No shame. It does seem as though he can be flanked, and that is a hit with a silver dagger. Sweet. That's for four points of damage. So does that mean damage from good or silver does not regenerate? That round you will So what happens now, That all that damage goes through, and now he is not going to regenerate at the top of his next turn. Because there was a hit with one of those things. Correct, gotcha. exactly. Okay. Nice. You got a move action left if you want to use it. No. Grip, you're up. All right. I will do it again. I will attack him again. With your good aligned red With destiny. My good aligned red Combat destiny. Advice and you're flanking. And I'm flanking. So, plus nine. And you're blessed. Plus ten. Right? And grudge fighter. Yes. So, plus <laughs> nine, plus ten, plus twelve, plus thirteen, plus fifteen, minus two, plus thirteen. Just roll twenty and then you don't have to worry about it. No, I rolled a 19. Oh, that is a critical threat. That's a critical threat, threat. With a short sword. Back it up, back it up. Please back it up. Another oh. 19 on the die. Critical hit with red destiny. Yes. All right. The good aligned red destiny. Uh, 20 points of damage. <gasps> nice. With a good aligned weapon. Holy crap. And as this weapon cuts into like the front, like just like, like sternum level, tears through the yellow bandages, and you see goldfish come flying out of the wound <laughs> as he screams in absolute agony. The fish or the cracker? That's what I was <laughs> Oh, it's the cracker. It's a little baked fish comes spilling out of the wound. West wing. Oh, that is nightmarish. He's definitely not regenerating next turn. Top of round six. Sorry, Gull. Hiding in there. Yeah, I mean, unless I got an option to do something else this round. Yeah, I'll let you know. Dora, you're up. Okay. Team is up. Team Thank is you up. very Thank much. Thank you very much. Do it again, big boy. All right. I got mind thrust one. I'm doing it again. Got two left. Natural one on the will save. Fourteen. And bleed, since he's not regenerating. Nice. There is kind of a a glowing blue liquid pouring out of the sides of his mouth and out of his nose, uh, this time as he's bleeding. He's up. He does not heal. He takes one more point of bleed damage. And that kills him, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> well, it's the good aligned weapon that is tearing him apart. He's going to swing back on Grip and take a full attack. Mm-hmm. Natural one with the War Razor. It's got to come around. Uh, okay, with the claw attack, that is a 22. Just. Uh, nine points of damage with his claw. And then he takes a five-foot step closer to Tima. No longer flanked. Ray, you're up. He's still adjacent to you. Mm-hmm. Flavor, five foot step. Not really a flavor step, but. 
An actual step. An actual step in front of An actual mummy. step in front of T-Mike. Is there anybody you want to heal? Is, any, is anybody... Yes, I'm going like? to... Um, Grip, you're getting five back. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. How you looking, Ray? Uh, Ray's looking like he's might be bloody. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, and I'm making an attack. All right. And that would be another uh, 23. That is a hit. Great. For six points of damage with the silver dagger. Slash right across his gut, below the goldfish wound, and... That was Pierce. Oh, that was Pierce, and you're stabbing him as, as the blade comes back out. It trails a bunch of yarn, a bunch of red <laughs> yarn out of it. How theatrical. And he just, as though, again, like he was a mannequin, as though everything sort of holding him, animating him in space, just goes out of him. This effect of him sort of wobbling and weaving and disappearing in and out of space in the air immediately ends, and he just thumps like a pile of wet, gray, dead meat on the floor, and the Tatterman is dead. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were all looking at me like, and then he... And then three more come out. Yes. Dora returns. Dora returns. Uh, so what do we do What do we do immediately? We know none of us have seen Gull, and Gull, you're still... You're, you don't know what's happening. You're well, still terrified. I, I saw... I mean, I would have had a line of sight on him yeah, you know where when he, he dropped it, so I would go and check on him. You're going to go back and check on Gull? Great. What are you doing, Ray? I'm going to follow. Great. Excellent. What about well, you, uh, No, actually, I'm going to check eyeball with uh, Dora and yes. see what Dora's up to. What's Dora up to? Heal yourself. Fine. <laughs> um, but Dora will go to the body of the Tatterman. Yeah. Take her own silver dagger and literally just stab it in whatever's left to make sure. <laughs> Give me a will save. Uh, is this versus what is one of the bonuses here? You can take the protection from evil bonus. So, 20. Okay. So, a little lull there. Uh, Grip heads around the corner towards Gull. Ray is healing himself. Dora moves over, and um, as you lift up your hand to stab the knife down into the Tatterman, you realize he is very much alive. Roll initiative. Fucking hell. <laughs> Ray. Eleven. Grip. Five. Dora. Natural twenty. Twenty-two. You realize that in that moment, nightmare creatures have the ability to highly effectively feign their own deaths so as to spring in horror unprepared upon creatures that attempt to fight it. Got a 23 on its initiative. It's going to take a lash at you with claws. Natural 20. Yeah, backed up with, yes, so critical hit. And second claw is an 18. It, It is prone though, isn't it? It is prone, so 14. Miss. Okay. Seven points of damage. And then you are up, Dora. Five foot step back. 
Your manifest Tima again. She's yeah. pissed. Yes. And um, cast Mind Thrust 1. 15? Fail. <sighs> because of Tima. Come on, Tima. Oh, yeah. He pops like a bubble and ceases to exist, leaving behind his war razor and a single silvery ring clatters to the ground and kind of like spirals to a halt. And there is nothing left but a war razor and a ring. Dora just returns. Okay, excellent. So, Tatterman has vanished. By this point, we can rouse Gull out of his fear. Sorry, buddy. That was a a terrible place to get stuck with a panicked condition the last fight. But the Tatterman is gone. And as the next few seconds happen here, the, uh, the kind of heap of flesh remains of Oliver Zandalus on the, the pile of mattresses there sort of fill out and slowly, as though like a dream were ending, take the form of this, this man with, uh, with the chalk marks and, the, and the, the chalk flame on his head, wearing these robes. And you can now see this, this baby, baby smooth skin on his face and this very particular line of painful looking scars running along his jawline. And uh, their story has ended. Do we have any sense of what this is going to do to like all the all the acolytes? Yeah, are they all going to rush up here and the screaming uh, that obviously the continuous yeah. echoing of screaming has stopped. Dora looks outside. Gonna head over to one of the open spaces in the window there. You looking down on the the north lawn of Briarstone Asylum being lit underneath the moon there. You see the first sort of tentative steps outside. You see some patients like poking their head out the back door and you start to see people who had once been apostles in Orpiment heading out onto the lawn and just looking up at the sky, looking up at the stars and the moon in relief and people start hugging each other mm-hmm. some folks are running to the cliff's edge uh, and looking over it not like to, not to jump off but to <laughs> look over it and verify that uh, what they would expect to see is indeed there uh, detect magic <laughs> sure let's recover some loot shall we unsurprisingly the war razor radiates magic the ring is radiating magic there are a bunch of magical auras coming out from underneath Zandalus's pile of mattresses, and you find a wand, a potion, a scroll. And amidst all of that, there is a book. A leather-bound book. The Chain of Knights. That Dora immediately recognizes as the Chain of Knights. Amidst all that as well are, this is so specific, eight pouches each containing exactly 50 gold coins. I don't, I don't know why, but for some reason, that was important to... He had a banking us. business on the side. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, give me some spellcraft checks there, Ray. Let's do the war razor. Okay. I'm looking the other way. <laughs> I rolled a natural one. Oh, what is my wrong God. with you? 
<laughs> Can we just assume guidance for all of these? Yes. Yeah. Yes. God, that's hilarious. How about the ring? Yeah. <sighs> 14. Unknown. Oliver Zandalus's mace is magical. 26. <laughs> Plus one light mace. Of course, the thing you can use. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're able to determine that the wand is a wand of command with 38 charges. Uh, the scroll is a scroll of summon monster three. And why don't you Gull give me a craft alchemy check on the potion? Oh, no. No? No. Gull, Gull is... What's he doing? ...is still in that room uh, just feeling like utter shit. He feels like an abject failure. Aww. He feels like he is useless to this party. He feels like in this moment when he was supposed to like come together as part of this party, yeah. he absolutely failed. And, you know, the ragman should have just killed him. He would be better off if, mm. if he had just been, because, you know, he, he can't do anything. He is ineffectual and weak and uh, like that nightmare that he had. Yeah, yeah. Where literally he's like a pale imitation of a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we should talk to Tolman. When he comes out of the room, you know, he ha- hangs to the sides of the walls and stuff and doesn't even, like, look at the body of the tatter man. You know, I can imagine him, like, going and looking uh, out one of the holes in the wall kind of thing. Yeah. And, like, looking at the drop and going, you know, maybe it would be better. It would be a mercy. Wow. And uh, that's yeah. that's where he's at right now. I mean, he's he's glad that everybody's alive, but he it doesn't have anything to do with him. He just understood. Mm. Let's wrap up the story of Briarstone Isle here. What do we want to do after this? Free Jeebus. We'd take the uh, the shadow lantern down to that room. And when we open that door with the shadow lantern going, you hear a gasp from inside the room and a thank you. And immediately the darkness effect ends. You hear a clattering of bones and you see in the middle of this shambles of weapon racks and furniture all destroyed, you see a skeleton made of human bones, rat bones, pigeon bones, and raven bones in the loose shape of a small child, all connected by cobwebs, scraps of linen from the beds down in the patient rooms, scraps of the sepia patient gowns, and perched atop of the, the shoulders of this sort of cobbled together skeleton is a raven skull and there is like nothing is left in that room but this this collection of bones and the uh, the all of the that feeling of supernatural terror the the supernatural uh, darkness it's all gone and debus has passed on to whatever his afterlife may be when Farazma meets him in the boneyard What's going on with Elburn and uh, and all the people down below? Yeah, so Elburn has joined up with the folks that are, that were not the hardcore militant apostles in this exodus to the outside. 
with the intent of kind of keeping an eye on the militant apostles. So as the folks started streaming out, he's sort of keeping an eye on the apostles such as they are that are left. But you're seeing all of that fight, all of that fervor that had powered these guys. And most of them that were left down here at this point were men. You're seeing most of that fight having left them and milling about vacantly. So they're not participating in the is everything okay? Oh my goodness, outside. Uh, but they don't seem to be having any aggressive action left in them. As you look out, you can look out and you can see into the north courtyard. It just looks normal. You know, like the grass has been stunted, the trees have kind of rotted out, but now there's just moonlight shining in it and you can almost imagine it in its uh, in its heyday as a place of beauty and serenity. It still looks kind of ugly now, but it no longer looks terrifying. And the chapel survivors? As you head back down there, everyone is indeed okay. I made a check on Loic, and he is still operating as normal for this eight hours. And uh, I imagine there is much uh, rejoicing and embracing when you re-encounter them. And at that point, if the plan is to try to leave this place... Yeah, I don't ever want to see this place again. So Vaustin would be able to lead you and the chapel survivors first out the front door. And again, you just see Lon sloping down to this kind of picturesque harbor with a whole bunch of docks where there are a couple of small rowboats that look like they would each hold around five or six people each. And uh, he would look out across the, the fog-shrouded waters of Lake and Carthen and points off. Well, Thrushmoor is right over there. It's the closest settlement. They've got chapel. They've got housing. They've got the garrison. They've got the local magistrate. I think we should get everyone over there. Is there a drink to be had, perhaps? I certainly fucking hope so. And that's where Lowell's is. That is the seat uh, of Lowell's power. There is a fucker I'd like to kill. So, we can head into these rowboats and take part in the ferrying over of the chapel survivors from Briarstone Isle to the mainland. Wow. And that is the end of chapter 35. Which brings us to our epilogue. The year is 4683, 35 years ago. Oliver Zandalus is awake at last. His heart is racing, he's gasping for breath, and he's soaking wet like he's sweat every ounce of moisture out of his body and now it's clinging to his skin and he stinks, dear lord, he stinks. Body odor and fear. It's really hard for him to see. He feels like his eyes are wide open, but his field of vision is really, really thin, as though in reality he's barely begun to open his eyes. He has no idea where he is, why he's here, or what's going on. He can see that there are people with him, sort of. At least he's aware of humanoid shapes in the shadowy darkness. Three of them, maybe four or five. It's impossible to tell. They're arrayed in an arc, a semicircle. 
And then he hears the footsteps. Heavy boots on hard stone. sound bounces off the walls, echoing through him and over him like radiation. A figure in elegant nobleman's clothing approaches. He's wearing an iridescent hummingbird mask. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's breathtaking. And as the hummingbird slowly turns its head around the arc of figures looking one helpless person to the next, Ulver can hear the whimpers and the retching and the pissing can smell fear like an animal might smell it, as though it were something tangible. The hummingbird looks directly at him. I say this one. Young Ulver screams helplessly as the figures swoop in from the shadows to surround him. They whisper close in his ears, have you found the yellow sign? And that's the last thing he remembers for certain before the drugs and the music and the orgies and the torture and the feasting, dear God, the feasting began as he was made to watch for three days straight, dying inside with every moment. A bell tolls. It's 4718. Four companions roll across the surface of a mistrouded lake, nestled at the heart of a land of hauntings and terrors. Their brows all furrow at the same time as the throbbing in their head starts, and they hear echoes of distant voices. Remember! Hide yourself. Survive this. Destroy them. Well, meanwhile, somewhere far away, across a continent, across an ocean, in a cell of grim granite, something stirs, something alien. It stirs because somewhere even further away, across another ocean, across a vast desert, there is a dead city slouching by another lake. And beneath that lake, something is growing. And as it grows ever so slightly, momentarily fertilized, by the thoughts of mortals that merely know its name. The ripples are felt for miles. Over jagged mountains, raptors of gargantuan size scream. Beneath rolling desert hills, the sandworms roar, and in deep shadowy caves, the scorpion people hunker down and steal themselves for the worst. But back inside its cell of granite and its cell of dying human flesh, the alien mind chafes. The stakes are too high, but it cannot find them. They can't remember. This shouldn't be possible. Find them. A bell tolls. And in their boat, unlike in Carthen, these four exhausted, broken companions are lanced with excruciating pain. As echoes and agonies tumble through the darkness in the depths of their minds. What is memory? Where does it live? And I don't mean in a scientific sense about which I know nothing, but in the context of this fictional, magical, supernatural world. Maybe for the purposes of our story, maybe it's possible for memories to be removed from the shelves of the conscious mind and extracted from the caverns of the unconscious depths, but to live on in some form, in some fleeting, faint, unreliable, yet still present form, somewhere in the mists and fog, in the part of the subconscious mind that taps into the dimension of dreams. 
And maybe there, in the dimension of dreams, all that they knew lives on. It's just that the, the lenses of perception are so limited, they can only see the scraps, but perhaps the senses of an alien mind from beyond the stars are quite different, so it continues to search, and the bell tolls again. Things start filling in now for our companions. All the voices and visions from the prologue, you remember them now, very clearly. Same is true for any visions we had in our interlude. And now, to close. The year is 4679, the year is 4696, and 4699, and 4705. A nine-year-old child retreats from a scene of horror. They did what they did for different reasons, and then something terrible happened. 13 years ago, 19 years ago, 22 years ago, and 39 years ago, a nine-year-old child leaves an event that will frame the rest of their lives. And while a thousand other things might have happened to them afterward, after this traumatic experience, like help or support or love, they received none of these things. Instead, they met, as we know, the stranger. It is those with whom we survive our traumas that help to shape us. And in many ways, it is our traumas, the ones that we survive, that temper us. But in the end, it remains our choices that define us. One version of us in one timeline might be shaped by violence and isolation and make one set of choices. Another version might be shaped by the care and protection of a small chosen family, shaped by acts of courage and self-sacrifice, and make another set of choices. How far apart might those alternate selves be from one another? Most of us will never know. Four of us might. The stranger, this thing in yellow, pretending to be a person, leans down and asks, What is your name? Call me whatever the fuck you want. The others call me Rip Tusk. I'm just trying to hold on here. A hateful old witch gave me a name, but you can... you can call me Ray. Call me Roni. It was my uncle's name. He's dead now. Everyone's dead. It's alright. You can tell me you are Dora. No. Dora's gone now. She was weak. She was scared. And that's not me. Not anymore. Then what shall I call you? I am Anathema. End of Act One. Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. 
Opening and closing themes, along with additional music, composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. I really enjoyed making this podcast with you guys. <laughs> <laughs>